Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote. And I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, we're going to have a ceremony. No, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Uh, don't forget the network is at CLNS Media. Same thing on Facebook. Don't forget the YouTube channel. Uh, exciting Red Sox coverage this year. It's getting flipped on its head. We're doing a lot of great things, so keep an eye on roundtables. Uh, a lot of good content coming your way, and we'll announce it as it slowly starts to roll out. Uh, Jess and Lauren, all with me this week. This is very exciting, guys. When was the last time we had a full show? Full house. Like two months ago, I think. Ridiculous. Last year. Probably last yeah. year. Yeah, if you want to be technical about it. Um, we have a guest on tonight, so we won't kind of sit and wait anymore as he's sitting in the car at spring training is Evan Drellick of uh, NBC Sports Boston. Almost said the old name. Uh, Evan, what's going on down there in uh, wonderful Fort Myers, Florida? I was actually joking with some of the Nesson guys earlier about how much easier... I joked with anybody about this, about how much easier it was to say CSN or Comcast or Comcast. Just NBC Sports Boston is just a, it's just a mouthful. It. You can't show so, uh, Yeah, it's good. I just say NBC at this point. I'm like, yeah, I work for uh, NBC. Yeah, NBC. I work for NBC. We'll keep it, we'll keep it there. Um, Evan, they've been treating you, treat you well down there, at least the Red Sox hospitality. Doing okay? You know, they, they give us water and uh, uh, soda because they're trying to kill us on the soda part. Um, they give us lunch. And what else can you ask for, right? You know, so we're accepting free, everybody down here is accepting free gifts uh, from the team, uh, you know, because water costs money. So we're all, we're all in the Red Sox pocket. You can't listen to anything we say. <laughs> At least they're not charging you for the air, right? You can breathe cover the team yeah give it a year (laughs) oh man all right evan um we'll get into the big news obviously it's uh the news that took almost four months to figure out and we all knew it was coming uh jd martinez finally a boston red Sox, and it sounds like david price actually had a big factor in that but just overall do you think he's a good fit do you think it's worth it i think they got him on a steal for what they claimed what he wanted in the first place but um do you like the jd martinez signing knowing there's a bunch of bigger fish coming next offseason yeah, compared to what those guys are going to get money wise, it, it's it's just doing the running if, based on the math. Yes, absolutely, it's it's a great great signing. It's the one that we all thought was going to happen. But for me, it's like 
you know, we had a months and months of buildup, and it's like, I don't know, it's like chasing a girl for months and months or chasing a guy, whoever you might be chasing. Uh, and then it's just like, and you finally get there, and it's just, you built it up too much in your head. It, it like, like when, when they finally got the deal done, it was like, are, are, this this is it? Like, this is how, okay, so this is it. We're here, and that, and now we move forward. It, it was what was supposed to happen, and it, everybody would have been a little better off had it been done sooner i just think for sanity purposes but uh, yeah red sox got a good deal i think there's some but what so what jd held out for and kind of ended up getting besides money um it really was a player option so dollar figures as i understand it didn't really change from what the red sox were willing to do it's it's the fact that they uh, that jd can opt out after both the second and the third year that's kind of the difference over the course of the offseason so you mentioned, you know, holding out and what it took in the time. How does Scott Forrest, Forrest feel about this? It took him forever. They're waiting out. And then Scott doesn't even get, like, any of the money that he thought he was going to get for J.D. Martinez. You know, I, I'm of the opinion Scott has, has still done a pretty good job this <laughs> offseason. Because everybody thought that he was going to be broken. Like, this was it. Like, they, not everybody, but there was definitely a contingent of people who thought that he had overplayed his hand and, and is he taking deals that are below what he probably promises clients or, or at least told them was likely I'm I'd imagine, you know, JD changed his agent, uh, right at the start of the off season. And it was pretty quick. And, and usually you, you go to Scott cause you want top dollar, but the Hosmer deal by virtue of the fact that you had so many people tearing it apart online after the Hosmer deal, I think you had a lot of people going, Hosmer's not worth this. Uh, and, and, and so to me, the beauty of that is it already kind of shows that Boris won. If you, if you have that, that kind of group of people out there who are already saying the deal is no good, um, that's that Scott Boris. It, 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 then, then he has done his job. If everybody was saying this is a tremendous steal for the team, and Martinez kind of it feels like a it feels like a good deal for the Red Sox, but I don't think he's getting screwed either. It's not the money you thought, but I don't think he's getting screwed. So Evan, now taking us further here with with the team, I know obviously people thought maybe they're going to trade Jackie Bradley Jr. so that everybody can play, and then they were like, we're not going to do that, and then people are wondering, are they actually going to get rid of Hanley Ramirez? And then they're like, no, we're not going to do that, and then so then you wonder about Mitch Moreland. So I guess. What you've read aside, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to trade one of these guys, get rid of one of these guys, or are they just going to spread out the playing time between all of these guys? No, I, I think it's smartest to spread out the playing time and expect someone, multiple people to get hurt. If we talk about the rebound that we expect from Jackie Bradley, Mookie Betts, Andrew Bogart, Hanley Ramirez, well, well, all those guys are dealing with injuries. Mitch Moreland had a fractured toe last year. Hanley Ramirez's shoulders were all effed up it, it, it you know to kind of get rid of one of these pieces so that you have this kind of even nine and then uh a standard bench it's just it's not the state of baseball these days i think people have kind of figured out over 162 it it takes a lot it takes more than than a starting nine and i like it i like the approach they have people the story today was is mitch Moreland going to get playing time is Hanley ramirez going to get playing time the answer is yes they're both going to get playing time and the question to me now is what happens between Brock Holt, Blake Swihart, and Devin Marrero? Because you got, if you break it down, you've got two spots and three players. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the Red Sox have a lot of options. They have, and it's a good problem to have. But obviously, I'm a big fan of this JD Martinez signing. And, you know, it brings like a new 
new voice into this clubhouse. Um, do you have any concerns? Obviously, there was tension with David Price and the media last year. Do you have any concerns with J.D. Martinez going into this clubhouse, whether that's with Hanley Ramirez or David Price or even Alex Cora? You know, no, concern maybe ever so slightly. I, I think I cover J.D. Martinez in Houston. He's a really thoughtful guy, confident guy. Um, he's not the loudest figure. He's not. He's not Eric Hosmer. He doesn't have that kind of presence necessarily. But he. But he's um, very intelligent hitter, and he studies a lot. He he cares a lot. That's probably the best way to put it. He really does care. Price was a, is is and was a unique case, and and I, I get the concern over it. And Price um, telling Bob Nightingale yesterday today, he he talked to Martinez about it. You know, Boris, um, it's not that he hasn't sent his clients to places they don't belong before. It, it, it could happen, but I I think he's equipped. I, I I don't know if he'll be this kind of center of attention, but a lot of these guys in that room aren't really quote-unquote, the center of attention. So I'm not worried about it. I, 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 would he be ideally better off in a smaller market? Maybe, but I, I don't I don't look at it as a problem until one develops. So hopefully one doesn't develop, and the guy to control that would be Alex Cora. And last year, you know, we know the problems they had. It kept coming after one another. All the players are starting to really kind of talk about it. Chris Sale mentioned it this morning in town on EI uh, about the problems they had. It just kind of kept spiraling to one another, and it just seemed to be the year for controversy on this team. You've been down there for a little bit now, Evan. How has Alex Cora handled everything so far? Obviously, it's spring training. Everything is sunshine and daisies at this point in the year. But how has he looked as a manager, just kind of controlling, handling the players, and starting to build those relationships to kind of prevent what happened last year under John Farrell? It's a slow buildup. You can't get to know these guys right away. And, and Alex is pretty open about things he's not sure about. He's not kind of pretending he knows it all as he walks in there. And he, he did make the point early on that he remembers being a player and having a new manager come in and, and this feeling that um, you, know, you, you want to see who the guy is. You know, you're kind of looking at him and sizing him up. And I, I think he knows the players are doing that with him. The vibe in there, for me at least, and I think others would say the same has been much more, you know, relaxed. Uh, it, it just it just feels better. It feels like the worst is is in the past, and and that can change. It's the start of spring training, but I think it, the early early returns are the environment feels better and different. So, to kind of go off of that, you know, you guys you were down there when John Henry spoke and and talked about you know happy with this team was, and that was obviously before the JD Martinez news broke. But that being said. Um, do you believe them when they're when they say they're actually happy with the way the lineup is built? Because last year we've talked about it too. It's a lot of talent on this roster underperforming. Do you feel like this roster is is content where they are just just inserting JD Martinez into it, or are they still lacking another bat? Like how sincere do you believe ownership when they made those comments? Well, they weren't sincere because that was before they got JD. Right? <laughs> like that kind of in itself tells you they kind of said what they had to say at that moment, and and. Whatever, that's the game. That's the media game that you play. I think the lineup is now fine. The bullpen's the area I look to and go, why didn't you add a piece? You let Addison Reed walk. I know you got Tyler Thornburg maybe coming back at some point early in the season. Uh, Carson Smith, full year. Okay, what if one of those guys doesn't pan out? It, we're set up again for another mid-year reliever acquisition. That, that's, what, that's what we're looking at. I would have gone out, and I still would go out. I, luxury taxes are now an issue, but... Um, that's what I would have done. Um, so, I would have gotten another reliever. 
so let's stick with the, the pitching now, Evan. Um, I kind of want to move to the starters here because I feel like I've been hearing a lot of mixed comments from people. Some people think that the rotation is really solid. Some people have question marks about it. So I kind of want to start with David Price and then have you continue on with the other guys. Obviously, Price talked and he said that he didn't handle things well. He wants to put last year in the past. He wants to be more a leader. He's healthy, blah, blah, blah. I'm curious if you believe him and actually think that he's going to stay healthy this year or his elbow is going to act up. And then moving off of that, after you talk about him, uh, do you trust Porcello? Do you trust Pomeranz? I'm just curious to see if you think the rotation is as good on paper as some people do, or are you on the bandwagon of they're not as good as they look? Yeah, well, look, I can't predict the elbow. It's the magic, unique healing elbow that seems to heal itself and he says he's fine, and, and I, I wouldn't put it totally out of the picture that he, it could get hurt again, and that's part of the reason he probably wouldn't opt out. But as far as the leadership thing goes, I believe that he wants to do better. I think he has to show it. I'm not convinced he, he, that he can do it, but I'm willing, uh, and I think everybody should be open-minded to give him the chance to do that. And Pomerantz has shown himself two years in a row. Porcello is something in the middle. He's not... He's not as bad as he was last year. He's probably not as good as he was the year before when he won the Cy Young. So as long as, you know, Sale and Price have to be healthy. It, it, it's really tough if, if either of those two guys are hurt. You can probably get by without the others, uh, but give Drew Pomerantz credit. The large reason they won the division again was because he did such a good job last year when A, Price got hurt, and B, Porcello um, was doing so poorly. So, looking into um, with the pitching, I- I'm intrigued. Uh, obviously, he had one of the better years last year in his career, but do you think Craig Kimbrell can anchor this bullpen? And in tandem with that, Alex Court did mention that he's not he's going to be willing to pitch him outside of the ninth inning and not cater to what he wants, which is what John Farrell did. But do you think that, one, Kimbrell can anchor this like he did last year, and two, um, will he find success this year pitching in the seventh, eighth inning role that sounds like Cora might actually have him be in at some times during the year? Yeah, I think Kimbrell's seeing the light and realizing he has to do this. It, it, it's going to look bad on him if he doesn't. He's going to be undercutting the manager who's already publicly said he wants to do this. And uh, it's just the way of the game. And he's, he's racked up a huge amount of saves, but he even said it himself the other day, it's a pretty stat. Uh, and it's a good admission for him to have. It, it'd be nice for him to set the career mark for it, which is not impossible, but he's not going to be paid any less if, if he's dominant with the bases loaded in the eighth inning. So, Evan, in terms of the guys that, uh, that these guys are throwing to, just a little more on the catching situation here. I was actually in Florida this past week, and uh, I went to spring training on Saturday, and the main thing I saw was the three catchers hitting. And it made me start thinking about the catchers and obviously kind of forget about Blake Swihart since he hasn't played much recently. Um, so I'm curious what you think of what's going to happen with the catching situation. Is Swihart going to play a different position? Is he going to play catcher? Is he going to play anything? I'm just kind of, where are you standing on Swihart at this point? Today, right now, my feeling is I have to trade Swihart. I, I don't think he, he fits. His value to another team would still be high enough. I unless there's this tremendous development in his catching that, that we're unaware of. He's not a better receiver than Sandy Leone. You need to have another catcher on staff who's good. So I don't think you're just jettisoning Leone to make room for Swihart. And between, unless you're really willing to go into the season with Holt in the minors, because uh, he has options, there's no place for Swihart. Marrero, you probably want on the roster because he's so good defensively. So 
I think Swihart's a man without a country at the moment, and there will be teams interested. It's a situation to watch. Somebody gets hurt, maybe that changes. But right now, that's how I feel. Does Swihart get dealt now? Does it wait? Because in your scenario, Evan, this is perfect. You deal Swihart, you get that mid-reliefer-type bullpen arm that you're looking for, and then, boom, you're, you're fixed. That I, that I would just be speculating on. At, at this point, um, I can't say for sure. I guess if the right offer came up, why not? But at the same time, I do think you want to see where you're at health-wise as you get to camp. You know, if, if Brock Holt really doesn't look right, uh, not that there's evidence of that right now, but you know, it's been a trying time for him. If you feel like you can't rely on him, um, maybe you do take a Swihart. It, it, it's probably a little too early in camp to, to kind of walk away from him unless you got an offer you really like. Evan, I'm, I'm just curious. This is a loaded question, and, and I, I'm curious how you answer it. If you had to pick right now on uh, February 20th, who was the most important person on this Red Sox team this year? Well, it, it, it's Chris Sale or David Price. Chris Sale being the fact that he's just the best pitcher on the team, uh, Price for the X-Factor element. Uh, my, my gut instinct was Price because I think when, I think when people ask that question important, it's usually – uh, with the feeling that it's not a constant, right? We look at Chris Sale as a constant and a given, and Price has been kind of everything but that. So uh, it's Price. It, it's it's the guy who has has all the ability in the world, and and you need to stay healthy. But that applies to Sale too. You know, uh, the innings for Sale have been very high as well, and you worry if that will someday catch up to him. Yeah, definitely. You, you may have uh, broken my heart with your Swihart answer, but I'll take uh, that answer you just gave any day. But uh, I'm curious, we've seen a lot of spe- speculation about where this team will, will finish, especially with the addition of Martinez and obviously the Yankees doing what they've been doing this offseason. So I'm curious to see where you have this team finishing. Do you see them finishing above 93 wins, getting out of the ALDS this year? Just kind of what you really expect from, from the Red Sox this season as a whole. Yeah, I want to see what they end up doing at the trade deadline. I was the guy at the end of last year who was saying the Yankees are going to catch him, the Yankees are going to catch him. I actually was just asked this uh, on on NBC Sports Boss a little while ago. You know, who, who do I pick for the East? And uh, you know, I can't say I really sat back and thought about it post JD Martinez, but I'm still going to go with the Yankees uh, for now. And and the reason being that I think their offense is so much better. Their rotation is not quite as good, but I think we're underrating the rotation, and their bullpen is better. But uh, that said, I think it's going to be very close. Does the acquisition of J.D. Martinez and Eduardo Nunez basically say, okay, we're in now? Because I I, I said it here a couple weeks ago. um, I think getting Nunez and J.D. Martinez was probably the perfect offseason for what they had available to them for the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I like to see some creativity sometimes. You know, you can argue should they've done something else besides Moreland. That was before the market showed how it was going to act. Maybe you could have gotten a different player. You could argue, would you rather have Logan Morrison? There's sides to, to both sides of that argument. You know, it was a very straight ahead off season. It, it was kind of fill fill the void, resign a couple guys, let a couple guys walk. Sometimes you like to see that surprise move where it's like, oh, that's clever. Flip that guy, get that guy, then sign that guy. Um, but yeah, they, 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 with JD, they did what they needed to do. All right. One more question, Evan, before we, uh, let you go down there in Florida. Um, and I would be terribly thought processed if I didn't ask you this question about my guys, Andrew Bogart. So a lot of people are down on him. I'm starting to get down on him, but I'm holding out hope. 
what are you seeing or have you seen anything so far? I know he hasn't been down there that long. Um, to, that shows that he's ready to kind of have a breakout year like he did a couple years ago because he's going to be hitting in, in a good part of the lineup and, and expected to produce, and he's going to have to produce if this team wants to do anything this year and even catch the Yankees. He looks stronger. I thought even verbally he was stronger when he sat down on the bench and talked about everybody knows what happened this past year. Uh, but he does physically look like he's bulked up a little bit, and he's getting older. He's maturing, and, and he's a good example of, uh, I think, how that works. You know, Pedroia told a story about how during the division series, Pedroia was all distraught and uh, walked into the cage, and there was Bogarts, and Bogarts was like, hey, man, you know, what's going on? You know, basically, chin up. And, and Petey said to, uh, to Bogarts, like, see, that's what I need sometimes. So I think Bogarts is one of those guys who he's very candid. He's an honest guy. He could really assert himself this year, and, and, and he just needs to not play through a bad injury. That was the problem last year. Yeah, I think that um, part of that is, you know, him. He, he's got to realize that, and I think this year having Nunez there is going to push him a little bit, don't you think? Just because, you know, they have a replacement. Pedroia comes back. If Bogarts is that bad, Nunez just fills right in, and Bogarts is on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Nunez can handle – an everyday job right now, um, and, and I, I really I don't think Bogarts needs to be pushed. Well, let's put it that way. I think Bogarts is such a better talent than Nunez that it's not really a competition in my mind. Um, it, 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 that wasn't the issue to me last year. I think it was a guy playing hurt. That's how I looked at it. Okay, I hope you're right because he's my guy. My, I named my car after Xander Bogarts, and I will be upfront honest about that because I think he's a stud. And I hope yeah. he stays. But uh, Evan, appreciate it, um, and keep enjoying the weather until you come home to Boston. It's been warm up here, but. It, sound like it will be by the time you get back but uh appreciate the work as always and uh if you're not following evan it's at evan Drellick on twitter um stay tuned and hopefully we uh talk to you down the line thanks guys thanks evan thanks evan all right again evan Drellick, nbc sports boston formerly csn because we had to say that because it's just so much easier to say i wish it was still csn uh but that being said don't forget to follow him on twitter at evan Drellick. he was brought to you by our good friends at DraftKings. Of course, basketball season is in full swing after the All-Star break, and it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. You can choose from public contests and win huge cash prizes or private contests where you compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, of course... You get to draft a new team every day, and drafting is arguably the best part of fantasy in any sport. And the only thing better than that is, of course, winning that cold, hard cash. You just ask Dan from St. Louis, Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging weights, of course, await only at DraftKings. Use our code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your first deposit for a share of $10,000 in total prizes. Do that tonight. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup. And you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. Check out DraftKings.com for more details. Again, huge shout-out to Evan. Uh, show favorite. Great content. Uh, one of the less stiffer Red Sox beat cover uh, members. <laughs> uh, so it's always good to have him on and uh, cover the team. And guys, I agree with him in the sense that J.D. Martinez was going to happen. And Scott Boris got his money regardless. But now let's talk about your guys' opinions on where this team goes from here. Because we know what J.D. Martinez is. We know his fit on this team. It's the middle of the order lineup, whether it's third or fourth, whatever you're going to put him. 
might fl- might switch around. Seems like it's going to be the full-time DH situation for the most part. Um, where does this team go from here? Is Jackie Bradley Jr. really not going anywhere? Does Hanley Ramirez get pissed off that he's not playing enough down the road when Mitch Moreland's playing over him because Mitch Moreland can play first base? What's your biggest takeaway post-J.D. Martinez that we have to watch out for now that the guy is actually here and hopefully hitting home runs in Fenway Park for the next five years? I think it's definitely Hanley Ramirez. I mean, I know today he said it's at-bats aren't on his mind. It's winning that's on his mind, which, yeah, I'm sure, but when he's not, say he doesn't play three or four games in a row because, like you said, Mitch Moreland's going to play first. Is there going to be some animosity and some tension that's going to cause, like, unwanted, you know, quote-unquote clubhouse cancer? And that and then there's going to be problems. Do Like, my biggest concern is Hanley Ramirez. But, I mean, he came to Boston th- thinking he'd be DH after David Ortiz left, and now all of a sudden J.D. Martinez is here for you know, at least two years, five years max. But I don't know. I have, I do have some concerns about Ramirez and his playing time or lack thereof. I mean, Evan said it really depends like what happens. You know, Mitch Moreland played on a fractured toe. He could get hurt. We've seen freak injuries happen. So, but at the end of the day, it's Hanley Ramirez where I'm just like, oh boy. I understand what Evan's saying about how they should keep everybody in case people get hurt. But I just feel like it's not going to work out very well because for this reason, I feel like people are going to get, you know, somebody's going to get upset about not playing enough mm-hmm. if everybody stays healthy. And, and that's kind of a risk because, you know, if you have, if you play, you know, JD in the outfield and you move Benintendi to center and you don't play Jackie every day because he's not as good of a hitter, does he get angry about playing every day? If Hantley doesn't play every day, is he going to start turning into a baby? Because that could easily happen. If Moreland doesn't play every day, you know, he might be like, well, I played almost every day last year. Now I'm not going to get my chance, even though I proved last year that I could play. You know, it's just a lot of options of guys getting upset about not playing. So I personally feel like the best option is to trade one of them. And I feel like the thing that makes the most sense, even if it's a little scary because he's such a good defensive player is trading Bradley so that you can just put Martinez in a spot whether you put him in the outfield or whether you whether you put him at, at uh, first base or even if he DH him all the time just having that extra spot so that Hanley can play Moreland can play and Martinez can play I think that might make the most sense I, I don't know if they'll do it um I, I think you're right Jess trading Jackie Bradley does make the most sense because I mean you have to think J.D. Martinez signing that Red Sox contract means he's okay with being the everyday DH because you know that's what they sold him on. And if anything changes and he's going to get he plays the outfield, it's probably a win for him. But you know he was sold on coming to the coming to fill in David Ortiz's shoes, hit home runs, be that hero in the clutch when he comes up to, pl- to the bat and pl- play in the title town situation. That's what he was sold on, and obviously the money because it was the really only real contract he got offered. So it was really the perfect marriage. I. I hate people who are saying it's not a good fit. I think it's a great fit, especially for the price you paid for him, because you you can still afford people next summer if you really want to make a push for Machado or Bryce Harper or whoever it may be. You can still afford one of them. So it's it's for right now, it's going to make you a lot closer to the Yankees. I think this lineup is deeper than people think. I do think the Yankees are better, but moving forward, I think Jackie Bradley being traded is the thing that makes the most sense, because I agree with Evan. You need another arm, because you don't know. I think losing Addison Reed was going to be a very underrated loss because I, I was hoping they brought him back he was okay once he got his legs underneath him here at Fenway Park and in the Red Sox uniform so I think you didn't replace that and Tyler Thornburg is not a replacement for Addison Reed at this point because we don't know what Thornburg is we don't know what Carson Smith is going to do a full year here I think he'll be fine but what if he gets hurt again 
you need another arm because I don't trust Matt Barnes. I don't trust Joe Kelly as much as I can throw him. And you need another arm. I think trading Jackie Bradley makes the most sense. J.D. Martinez gets his way. Hanley, Mar- Hanley Ramirez will no, will no longer have to bitch and worry about his playing time because there's room for him. Him and Mitch Moreland in DH split time, and you're on your way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely trust Joe Kelly over Robbie Scott any day. True, but... true, true, true. <laughs> I completely but, agree. But, you know, you, you know, I've been saying... I've been calling for Jackie Bradley Jr. to be traded for so long. For the last, like, two years now, I've been saying that he's easily tradable. Like, yes, it sucks because his defense is unmatched. His defense is incredible. He's always making highlight real plays. But, like you said, you need that arm. You And you need that arm because there's probably people out there who don't even know that Addison Reed isn't coming back. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. like, like, who? Who's that? So, like you said, very underrated loss. Um, when... When I found out he wasn't coming back, I was like, well, that sucks because he was actually good. He was a good setup, man, and mm-hmm. he was reliable. We don't have that reliability because, like, like you said, Tyler Thornburg, I don't even know if we're ever going to see this guy pitch here. Yep. Carson Smith, I, like you said, he'll be fine. I don't have any issues with him. I think last year he proved it. and The three innings we saw him in the year before, he was fine. And Kimbrell is, is Kimbrell. As long as he doesn't get too uncomfortable being outside of the ninth inning, he'll be fine. But you don't have that that threat you don't have that joe kelly doesn't scare me robbie scott obviously doesn't scare me anybody else in that bullpen i just i sit there and i'm like cool like this is just it's a mediocre bullpen <laughs> cool but it could be cool but it could be really good and jackie bradley jr could be that gateway to get us that extra arm i want to go back to martinez just a little more on him i i just i can't believe how much people are underrating him they're just acting like he's not a good player because he Not wasn't really good like incredible. five years ago, so people are like, "Oh, he must suck still." I'm like, he just hit like forty something home runs last year. <laughs> like, yeah, he hasn't been in the league for that long. I mean, it's not it's not like he's had a sample size of fifteen years. Like, he's had you know three or four really good seasons, and his numbers are like top of the league. And what I saw, he's like the by some metric, he was the seventh best hitter since 2015. No joke! Like, this is a huge signing, and I feel like people are just like, "Yeah, whatever." Like, it's a big deal. It's I think good. because it took a while is also pulling away from some of it because people are just waiting mm-hmm. for it to happen. Um, but at the same time, people don't remember. He's only th- he's only 30. This is a five-year deal, and it's not there's an opt-out after two and three, or is it just two? Um, it's two and three, it's I believe. two and three, right? He can he opt-out. Does, he has two opt-outs. So I highly doubt he's going to be here for the length of that full contract anyway because if he starts to keep doing what he did la- in the last year, he's going to get a lot more money if he opts out in two years. So I'm, in my opinion, you get, you get him for two years, maybe three. And by then, you have someone to fill the hole, whether it's Devers coming into his own, um, you have someone else coming down if um, Sam Travis ends up being your everyday first baseman because he can hit the crap out of the ball. Uh, so it really just, it's a stopgap. And then if he wants to stay, you pay him and he stays. That's great. Um, the biggest thing I want to touch on with this whole thing, too, is apparently David Price is the one that caught him to come here. And they, we all know they played together in Detroit. He told him two things. One, you're going to love everybody in the clubhouse. You're going to love the guys. But two... You're going to get booed. Like, what? You're going to get booed if you suck. You're going to get booed if you don't play well. But you know what, David? He's good at what he does. And he doesn't ment- doesn't seem like he's a mental case because he's done well most places he's gone. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about it before on this show. It's it's mental playing in Boston. It's such a mental state of mind. It's, you can be as tough as nails. But, I mean, look at Carl Crawford. He couldn't be here. And I don't doubt, like, that guy. guy's a good baseball player. But he couldn't be here. And it's... David Price, hopefully this year he's going to turn it around. And he did pitch well last year in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. But 
JD Martinez, I don't unless he's just all of a sudden like can at the ball and he strikes out all the time, he's not getting booed. Unless you know he's in his you know he's in Detroit. I don't even think he'll get booed if he goes to Detroit or Arizona. But <laughs> maybe he'll get booed going to Arizona, but not Detroit. But it's he's not going to get booed here unless he just absolutely just falls apart, which I don't see happening. These comments by David Price tell me that he's not any better than he was. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, and I, and I bought into it. Like, don't get me wrong, these comments, I was starting to believe him. I was like, he, he seems okay. Like, he's buying in. He's here to win. He's not talking about the opt-up. He wants to be here. He's signed here to win multiple championships. All that stuff. Then he subtly throws in, yeah, I told him he's going to get booed. Okay, that means you're still thinking about it, which means you're still a nutcase. Um, I'm a little concerned about David Price. Not as much as I have been. I, I still think that now, there's a little concern because hearing these comments. Now, if it wasn't for those comments, I was starting to buy into David Price. Yeah, he's an idiot. Price is an idiot because, first of all, let the guy make his own opinions about the place. Don't just be like, yeah, you're going to hate this place. Everyone's going to boo you every night. Like, don't say that. Don't let it. They booed you because you sucked. He has no experience here yet, so don't say that. Well, actually, he's hitting 444 in his career against the Red Sox at Fenway. So he has, he has done well here. So I think it's just stupid on Price's part. Just let him figure it out his own. And why, why, why even say that? It's just stupid don't say that yeah no, no point I, and now don't get me wrong i think jd knows the situation with david price and knows he's not going to be that so he probably laughed off the booing thing and it just it seems like there was no other place for jd martinez to be it was the it was the time it was like the gordon hayward thing for the celtics right everyone knew before the year was over that like gordon hayward is going to be up brad stevens had him in his back pocket we all knew jd martinez was coming up and we all knew the relationships he had within this clubhouse and we knew it was the best fit it's just the way it worked out. It just took way too long to do it, and that's the biggest thing. But I think J.D. Martinez slides right in and hits 30 home runs this year, no problem. I think that's just what he is at this point, especially as a full-time DH. If he can just work, focus on hitting, it's only going to get better because now we can only fo- he only has to focus on one thing and then play the outfield sporadically. What really pissed me off about the signing, besides like people not being excited about it, is they're like, oh, one player isn't going to change the entire lineup. And it's like, you're forgetting who else you have in this lineup, and a, he's going to make a difference. He's not going to make all the difference, but he's going to make a big difference. And we have power in this lineup. It's not like we have a crap lineup already. We won 93 games last year. We won 93 games the year before that. We did this without with, J.D. With Martinez. No, with not a lot of home runs, though. With not with And no Grand Slams last year. No and Grand we did it with John and John Farrell on the bench. So, like, it just made me mad that people were saying that. Like, no, he's not Stanton. No, he's not Judge. But it's like... We have a good team. They're coming off back-to-back AL East titles. I know they got bounced out of the playoffs early. 93 wins is still impressive, regardless of how you look at it. And I think so J.D. You, Martinez does have a big factor, too, because now it keeps you the pressure off Hanley, which has been a big he's, deal. He's going to hit the first Red Sox Grand Slam this year. He probably will. It's probably his first opportunity. Watch, it'll be his first plate appearance. It'll just be Grand Slam. Opening day. Perfect. Um, that'll be a way to start the season. But no, look, I think the biggest question mark to me coming into the year before JD was what can Hanley do in the clutch? And he's never been a clutch player. And now he doesn't have to be. Like if it, And now if you look at the situation, yeah, Hanley's going to get a little more opportunity because if people don't want to pitch to JD. Um, but at the same time, the price, Hanley's not the guy anymore. And that seems to be how he flourishes because David Ortiz was the guy for a while. And when Hanley came here and... Hanley did okay until he got hurt. So I, I can't imagine having the guy in front of him is only going to help him come this season, too. Right, and he was supposed to be the guy last year. Not, clearly, he wasn't. Oh, he they all were supposed to be the guys last year. He hit 240. Sucked, so. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the power should be there. I mean, you have Betts, Martinez, and, and Ramirez. And I mean, Devers. Let's to, be real. Devers, Devers can yeah. hit the crap out of the ball. People are forgetting what Devers did last year once he got called up. 
dude's got a swing. I expect him to be at 20 homers this year. Like that, at least that kid's got a nice swing, and he's going to get pitched to this year because he's going to hit at the bottom of the lineup. Right. So you have him and his power, and then Betts and his power. People also see him forget that Betts is good. Everyone just like stops talking about it. They're and like, Betts, oh, yeah, any game, 20 more pounds, apparently. So, <laughs> right. Don't sleep on Betts. I forgot about this entire team. It's just like. Ben Intendi's like no, he doesn't hit for power, but he gets on base all the time. He hits, he hits doubles. Mitch Moreland is, you know, nicknamed Mitchy Two Bags last year. This lineup has a lot of power that people are forgetting about, and I think they're just looking for reasons to be miserable because we didn't get Stanton. Yep, and that's fair because I'm pissed off they didn't get Stanton because they clearly didn't even try to get Stanton. So that that's the biggest thing. I think if they tried and failed, it's one thing, but because they didn't try, and it really sounds like they didn't try, especially because of what the Yankees gave up gave up for him. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that's going to rub Red Sox fans the wrong way, especially when he starts hitting ding dongs on the short porch on right so- on right field at Yankee Stadium. Um, I was be playing wiffle ball. Um, all right, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about MLB's pace of play changes. Um, overall, guys, it's going to change like forty seconds. Like the the rules that they put in place. I don't even care about them. Why in the world did they not put a stupid pitch clock in the game yet? Like, that is the one thing we've been calling for. The one thing that proves that it would make changes. They did mound visits, which is good. They limited mound visits, non-like pitching change mound visits. So, like, six, I think it was. Um, and Which is t- still a lot. Which is still a ton. Does that include catchers, though? Like, catchers visits? Is that the same thing? That's a, That was I wasn't sure about. I can't um, imagine. That or is that fair. just pitching no, coach visits? I think it's no, just, hold I think on. Any manager, coach, or player visits the mound will count as a mound visit. Okay, so, so yes. Christian Vasquez, don't go to the mound as much because um, he does it a lot. But the biggest thing for me is, like, the pitch clock is the one thing that they've been testing, and it's, like, a no-brainer just to, like, limit time in between throws. And I get it. The players don't want it, and the union's going to have a struggle over it. But, like, just do it. Like, it's it, at this point, I think the players aren't going to like it until they get used to it. They're never going to agree to it. And if they do, they're going to have to give – up something, or if they don't have to deal with the pitch clock, they're gonna have to give the owner something else when the new CBA comes in play. Like, it's the biggest thing right now that can fix the pace of play problem, and they just won't put it in the stupid game. If if everyone pitches like Chris Sale, then we'd all be playing two and a half hour games. You put yeah. a pitch clock on. <laughs> if you put a pitch clock on Chris Sale, he'd probably pitch a two hour game easy. Did you but, guys hear him on EI this morning? No, I haven't. I because he was, he, I, I, he was I on bookmark. He was on with them because they're down there, the EI is, and they asked him, like, what do you feel about the pitch clock? He's like, I think it'd be great for the game. Like, I- I'm all for a fast game. It's, I think the biggest thing is why players don't want it is because of the routines, like the step one in batter's box, blah, 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 like all the routines that Spit, players have. Test their helmet. He's, he's like, we've been taught, he's like, we've been taught for, since a young age, if you step out, I'm yelling at you to step back in. He's like, I'm all for a fast game. I would love a pitch clock. It would get me very excited to have a pitch clock. I'm like, Chris Sale. Be the spokesperson for the stupid pitch clock because it needs to be in the game. It does, and this is coming from me who loves who loves baseball. We'll watch eighteen hours of baseball straight, but there needs to be something, especially like I'll go to David Price. He has the longest warm up between pitches where it's just like, guy, throw the ball. There's been times I've been at games where I'm like, what are they waiting for? They have their they have their their call from their catcher, and now they're just staring. And I'm like, take the ball throw it's like still in their gloves not even in their pitching hand yet so yeah, I mean, price I'm does all... do that a lot he just stands there and stares in for like 10 seconds before he throws the ball yeah, like, it's i hate ridiculous. it here i hate it's, it here yeah. why am i here i hate why it am here. I here why am i in a red sox uniform <laughs> i'm not gonna throw this ball i'm gonna it's hit like, him in the head not... i'm gonna no, puke. Like i'm call. gonna throw up i'm gonna throw up baseball crap get me back to tampa bay like that's ball one. Price <laughs> yeah 
ball. <laughs> <laughs> and repeat. And, so it's just, but Pitch Clock, I think, absolutely should be involved in, in this pace of play change somehow, and I'm surprised that it's that it's not yet. Um, but it just it'll speed it up. Like I understand the routine. I was I was a pitcher. I had my own routine, but I wasn't taking 15 seconds in between pitches. It was get the ball, take a deep breath, throw, and then whatever happens next happens next. So it's a, and I know it's easier said than done. Just being like get your call, set, throw. I mean. Dice K would throw a six-hour game, so... Well, yeah, but like, not, but the thing is, too, like, not even that many players, like, shake off catchers anymore. That happens. Like, Chris Hill said this morning, he's like, I haven't shaken off a pitcher in, like, five years. Like, it's just, I, I just know. don't shake yeah. off pitchers. Like, if you trust your catcher, which nine times out of ten it's your manager calling the game, then just why you... Sh- it's a game plan. Don't just throw the stupid ball. Right. No, I'm, I'm interested to see what this does, what these new, uh, new rules do to the time of games because obviously last year they tried to cut down the time of games and it didn't work at all the games were longer so it didn't it go up so, didn't the average time yeah, of game it, go up it went up by like five <laughs> minutes or something yeah it was ridiculous and i'm seeing here that the time of games in 2005 was two hours and 46 minutes last year was three hours and eight minutes so last year's rules went the wrong way so i'm curious to see if this one puts it back down or if it just keeps getting worse can the changes that they actually implemented make a difference? Like the mound visits, time, I think if they did, I don't remember the other ones, like there's time in between commercial breaks. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's that major of, a, of changes. Why do you need six mound visits? I don't know. I feel like I need like two. <laughs> like, one to go out there and be like, calm down. And next to go out there and be like, all right, you're done. Like, get out. Like, right. I, I, I understand, like, coaches going out, managers going out, being like, all right, this is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But well, that's in the, the whole game. It was, it's six for the game, though. It's not six for an inning. No, I know, but it's still, it's, I still think that's a lot. Because they're, then, cause they're counting mound visits, like strategy mound visits, too. But like, then They're counting like, everything. Catchers, catchers can't go out there every single time their pitcher doesn't agree with them, or they're like, they give them two calls, like, no, and they go out there and talk. Like, that's not necessary. Just sit down. Bound visits drive me nuts, especially when they keep going out there after they don't agree on calls. That drives me nuts. I'm like, oh my god, like what's so what's you're gonna go out there and be like, this is what we're gonna do. Okay, why couldn't you just do that with your fingers? (laughs) Didn't Gary Sanchez like go to the mound like five times in inning, like every inning? (laughs) Yeah, Gary Sanchez went a lot. Like one, I don't know why he went to the mound so much. And then Vasquez right behind them. Like if you don't really pay attention, you don't really notice it. But like Vasquez does it a lot. And it seems like he's like your go-to like starting catcher this year. Pretty sure about that. Um, if not, Sandy Leon does, is right behind him because they are cut from the same cloth. So he likes to go check up on his pitchers and make sure David Price's ego struggled a little bit on the mound too. So like, it's going to be a big deal, especially towards the beginning where Chris Sale's worrying about workload, right? So we have to make sure we're throwing the right pitches so we're not throwing too many. David Price is just a duck on water all the time, so you got to go out there and calm him down. Rick Porcello, who knows which one you're going to get this year. Erod when he comes back. Stephen Wright in the knuckleball is always a um, hit or miss situation in what t- game situation. So there are big question marks in this rotation of how they can handle it in the mound visits or something that could calm them down. So I'm intrigued to see how they handle it towards the beginning of the year. I'm sure they'll test it all out in spring training, but um, it's a big it's a big rule change for more of the strategy side of things and performance rather than like the pace of play, in my opinion. Are you guys going to ask me how Fort Myers was? How was it? No. I mean, you're wearing a Will Middlebrooks jersey, so, like, I figured you were just, like, stuck in, like, a couple years ago. No, I mean, I got that before, and I brought a couple of ones, and the other one was dirty, so I needed to wear something Red Sox, so I wore I wore my Middlebrooks shirt. It's funny, one of the uh, 
one of the guys who works there asked me. He's like, "Oh, who who do Middlebrooks go to?" And I was like, "Uh, Rangers." <laughs> I didn't even know. I guess he thought that I would know because I was wearing a shirt, and I was like, "Sorry, I just I just threw the shirt on." <laughs> no, it was fun. That was good. The park's beautiful. I hadn't been there before. It was really nice, and uh, it was fun to watch. And yeah, the main thing I saw, like I said, was the three catchers hitting and then i took a video and put it on twitter of, of uh all of them signing autographs so that was pretty cool and then i uh there was an open house that day that we went to and i got brian johnson and sam travis's oh. autographs so that was yeah. that was fun well, you can sell that you could split that between uh lauren and nick qualia and you you took right. a perfect day between the two of them uh well i got i got uh sam travis to, to uh well I didn't like do a video or anything, but I told I told Sam Travis that it was Nick's birthday that day because it was, and I said he's a big fan. He goes, "Oh, tell him happy birthday." Oh, god! Did Pretty you cool. tell Nick that? Yeah. Okay, he was okay, good. Because uh, that's probably made his day. Because he is like a big Sam Travis yeah. guy. Like, yeah, Sam Travis is super nice. Confirmed. Yeah, Nick talked about it the night that night that happened. I saw Nick on the night of his birthday, and um, confirmed he was talking about it. He was like, "He's like Sam Travis would be a happy birthday." Yeah, oh, <laughs> God, he's You're ridiculous. Welcome, Nick. Oh, yeah. man. I was going to tell Brian Johnson about Lauren's love affair with him, but as I told Lauren when he uh, was signing the autograph, he literally just looked down at the ground and didn't say a word. I was like, hey, Brian, and he just didn't even say anything. I was Maybe like, he All was right. anxious. Brian, my co-host Lauren loves you. Sign it. <laughs> like, literally in love with you. And he was probably just having a little anxiety that day. Maybe he was having a bad day. I didn't talk to him that day, so he was probably yeah, pissed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. Too many autographs to sign. <laughs> that famous yeah. hubby life right. it was cool though it was fun I had a good time yeah it was cool though they just needed to uh, let me in the field for, for some uh, credentialed work but I had to stand behind the fence and take my videos and pretend I was just a fan but I wanted to feel like a reporter I was like yeah bring training it was cool I work for NBC Sports Boston god damn it help me in um, give, me, give me credentials right Right, seriously. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Again, shout out to Evan Drellick, NBC Sports Boston, uh, for coming on the show at Evan Drellick on Twitter. If you don't follow him already, he's a fantastic follow all year round for all the Red Sox coverage they have going on, and one of the uh, more open-minded guests we've ever had, we have on this show. So appreciate him coming on uh, from his car in Fort Myers covering spring training. Uh, so shout out to him on that one. Don't forget to use the promo code CLNS for your first deposit on DraftKings as well, playing fantasy basketball this season, which is in full swing after the All-Star break. Celtics con- trying to fight back for the number one seed, baby. Let's go. And uh, don't forget to follow us at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter. Search us on Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. Don't forget to, if you haven't checked it out, go check it all out at Sionis Media. Facebook, same thing. We're revamping the Red Sox coverage this season. Uh, We're expecting big things from this team, and so you're going to expect big things from this coverage as well, so don't forget um, to check it out there. And moving forward, all shows will be uh, released on Monday. That is a new schedule, so that's the goal here, uh, if possible. So, until next week, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali. This is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media.